I think when we look at recommendations, best practices, at the end of the day, these projects are garbage in, garbage out. You do want to do everything you can on the front end to make sure that your data is in good order before providing it to a new provider for a migration. Throw us something you think is going to be a curveball and let's talk about it on the front end. You don't want to take shortcuts on these projects because uh, it will come back to you because oftentimes the the curveballs, the complex cases, uh, they, they tend to be uh, large clients too. Garbage in, garbage out. How many times have I heard that phrase while working with client data over the years? Too many times to count, but it still holds true today. And I spoke with John McCowiak from Advison about best practices to avoid garbage in your client data, tips to increase your success when converting your client data to a new vendor, and a whole lot more on this episode of the Wealth Tech Today podcast. Sit back and relax. You're listening to episode 129 of the Wealth Tech Today podcast. I'm your host, Craig Eskowitz, founder of Ezra Group Consulting. And this podcast features interviews, news, and analysis on the trends and best practices all around wealth management technology. Our theme for this month is organizing and managing client data. And our guests were selected to deliver these best practices, lessons learned, tips, and strategies to improve client data wherever it's used in your organization. But before we start, let me ask you, if you are an executive at an enterprise wealth management firm and you're having issues with one of your technology platforms, you need to call Ezra Group. Our consulting team has decades of experience with all aspects of wealth management technology, data, and operations. Whether you're looking to optimize an existing system, revamp it, integrate it, or replace it entirely, Ezra Group is the one call you should make. We help firms like yours make the right decisions regarding their technology for smooth front-to-back office operations. Go to EzraGroupLLC.com for more information. Let me take care of a few housekeeping items before we get started. A quick shout out to our sponsor for this episode, the Invest in Others Charitable Foundation. You can check them out at investinothers.org. Be sure to subscribe to the Wealth Tech Today podcast wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't listen, you don't miss future episodes. So let's get started with this episode with John McCowiak from Advison. And when you're one of the reasons why I like having vendors on the program is because of their vast wealth of experience. You know, they're working with many, many clients. So if you're a broker dealer, you're an RIA, you just see your environment and, and what's going on with you guys. But uh, vendors will see dozens or hundreds of other firms and how they're working, what and they're seeing what works and what doesn't work. So I always ask, tell me some of your horror stories. Uh, so we we I pulled a couple of those out of John. Uh, they're really helpful. It's it's really a good advice to to hear where the mistakes were made and how they were resolved. So um, take a listen. Let's get this episode started. I'm pleased to introduce the next guest on the program is John Makowiak. Chief Business Development Officer at Advison. John, how you doing, buddy? I'm great. I'm great. How are you, Craig? Wonderful. Thanks for being on the program. Really appreciate it. We're here to talk about organizing and managing client data. But before we do that, can you give us the 30-second elevator pitch for Advison? 
Sure, sure. So uh, Advizon is a comprehensive technology solution for independent investment advisors. Six key pieces of what we do. Uh, at our core, we're a reporting and billing solution. Uh, when we launched back uh, eight years ago now, uh, reporting had been done. So how are we going to differentiate? Answer to that is we've included most, if not all, of the pieces of the puzzle a firm is going to need to run their business. So a full CRM system, SEC compliant document management, white label client portal and mobile app. And then a couple of years ago, kind of went beyond maintaining a client base to helping our users grow. So we added in what we call the advise on growth suite to help collect uh, data and uh, manage the uh, prospect process working with uh, potential new clients. So a lot we've been doing on that end. And then within the next uh, several months here, you will see the long-awaited launch of Advice on Quantum, our uh, rebalancing solution that will be part of our platform. We've been keeping an eye on that. We're excited to see that. Product team keeps uh, adding to it. So we want, uh, as, as the old shampoo commercials say, never get a second chance to make a first impression. Mm -hmm. So have a few bells and whistles we've been adding this year. I hear you. It's, it's never done. Software development is never done. It, sh it shouldn't be, at least. No. Mm -hmm. keep, keep pushing is what we go for. So we're talking about organizing and managing client data. So just to kick things off, can you just talk about how your company approaches it? Do you have any company-wide policies and how it should be organized, stored, and managed? Yeah. As, uh, as our founder and CEO likes to say, uh, data management and security should be proactive and built in by design, not reactive because there was a problem. So we've done, we've done a bunch on our side to make sure that uh, kind of save our clients from themselves in some cases. So for example, uh, two-factor. Uh, the, the advisor is going to get regular reminders if they have chosen not to enable two-factor authentication for logins. Uh, what we've done there is similar to how Chase Bank approaches it, where we have a trusted device policy. So we'll bypass two-factor if they're on their own machine on, on a consistent browser, but uh, we will hit them with it pretty regularly if, uh, if they're moving around or if they've chosen not to enable it. Uh, other things we look at on that end, Data encryption, of course, is standard for a cloud-based system. Uh, we've built in a number of audit logs. So if data within the system is changed, uh, you will be able to see which user changed it. Certainly had some questions. Someone, someone changed a billing setting. Now I have to call support. Our support team's able to identify who and when the, uh, the, the billing setting in that example was changed. Uh, we've also got permission controls. So for, for a firm that maybe has uh, 10, 20, 30 advisors, uh, they're able to silo things out so they can see only the appropriate client and account data, uh, personally identifiable information, uh, PII, so social security. Uh, that is not visible within uh, the user interface by default. That's going to be hashed out. A user would need to click it to, uh, to see it. So someone standing behind them is not going to be able to access social. Data redundancy is certainly very important. I think that's covered with, uh, with most cloud-based systems. Deleting data is another one that, um, you know, people can, can accidentally delete something in, uh, in many systems. We've got some tools there to uh, at least put a safeguard in place. You have to type the word delete if you want to delete something, but it also goes to a recycle bin, so you can restore it if need be. Um, and then, you know, when it comes to organizing 
we have really extensive um, relational databases built underneath. So uh, generally speaking, any object within Advison can be related to another. So an example would be a, a contact as a person that's gonna relate to a household. Accounts are gonna relate to both contact and household. Uh, so uh, just a simple example there, but being able to interrelate those notes is another example. You can add a note to uh, many different objects there. So having the CRM and the reporting tools in one place, it gives you, gives you a bit more than you would typically see with an integration. It also makes things a little more complicated when you have more data. On the front end, potentially, but one, once you get things implemented and cleaned up, I think the benefits far outweigh the, uh, the setup cost. Can you share a couple examples of serious problems you've seen at companies you've worked at in the past or clients with no names, of course, that were due to poorly organized or managed client data? Yeah. Uh, so uh, one, one thing we could look at is uh, reporting systems, uh, especially legacy technology. There, there are still plenty of firms out there managing their own data, uh, reconciliation process on a daily basis. For those unfamiliar with reconciliation, uh, it's, it's not just loading the data, but it's ensuring that everything is in good order once it is loaded. So oftentimes there's going to be some... Um, some, some minor adjustments that need to be made to uh, account for things appropriately and ensure everything matches with the custodian. So um, for firms that have been managing that themselves, if they've been very diligent about it, you, you usually can get a good sense of that on the front end. Uh, if there is some hesitancy, it might be because they've had some staff turnover, they've assigned that to someone who has, has no interest or no skill set in doing it themselves. So Maybe some things weren't done correctly inadvertently. Maybe some people just didn't uh, didn't really worry about it. So you want to be careful with that. Uh, we have tools to to surface that if we do migrate someone, if uh, there are reconciliation issues. Uh, on the CRM side, again, usually people are aware if there's some sort of cleanup needed. So um, you know you, you can gently ask the question about uh, something like duplicates. Uh, that uh, that can be surfaced. Some people are going to want to do that prior to a migration. Others will be more interested in uh, just getting it moved over and then cleaning things up on the back end. So, Doesn't everyone feel like they need to clean up? You know, when, you know I, I can speak clean. for myself here. Uh, our our database has has plenty in it that uh, that needs to be updated as well. Sure. So uh, it it really is establishing those processes and making sure you adhere to them to keep things as good as possible. I don't think anyone looks for perfection there because it's a lot of effort to get perfect, but I think you can get really good with a minimal amount of effort as long as you're consistent. So clearly it's better to clean as you go, as you used to tell us when I used to work in fast food, clean as you go rather than waiting till the end. But oftentimes Absolutely. an implementation or a conversion is the one time where a client might have that they can clean things up. So do you have any recommendations or best practices around that? Yeah, I think when we look at recommendations, best practices, uh, you know, at the end of the day, these projects are garbage in, garbage out. So you do want to do everything you can on the front end to make sure that your data is in good order before providing it to a new provider on the, um, for a migration. So the, um, the reconciliation piece is important. Uh, again, it, it, I think everyone has good processes here when you're looking at migration, but uh, 
we, we have ways to identify what uh, may not be good. We actually go so far as to ask a, a new client for any of their complex cases and or problem children. Provide them to us on the front end so we can put eyeballs on it. We believe it's really important to get out in front of these things, especially with um, a larger firm that may not be able to, to manage all this themselves on a regular basis. It's, uh, it's important, hey, th throw us something you think is gonna be a curveball and let, let's, uh, let's talk about it on the front end. Uh, you don't wanna take shortcuts on these projects because uh, it will come back to you because oftentimes the, the curveballs, the complex cases, uh, they, they tend to be uh, large clients too. So we will get out in front of those. Uh, other best practices, uh, if you think about migration, uh, when we're looking at advise on specifically, you could have data coming in from two, three, four different sources. If you're if you're migrating a reporting system, a CRM system, and you've got two custodians, that's four sources right there. So uh, we'll we'll provide um, uh, data uh, to help with uh, duplicates, for example. Um, you know, my 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 dad and my son both share my name. And uh, if you have those multi-generational relationships, that's not something we're gonna be able to programmatically uh, surface for you. So you're gonna know where those are and be able to uh, uh, guide us on those, but our, our team will take on most of it. Multiple generations of Macawiaks, is that what you're saying? There, there are, yes. We all have different middle names, but if that's not in the system, then uh, <laughs> you may run into a trouble there. Yeah, and names are becoming a problem. There are firms are realizing that the, the amount of space they have for names in the CRM isn't enough because of some cultures that have many names or very long names that are, are causing problems. That, that, well, my last name isn't short, neither is yours. So <laughs> it, uh... well, we're nothing. We're, we're, we're like, we're like kids, you know, child's play compared to some people's names. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the CRM provider, that's a, that's a fixed data point that should be pretty easy to, uh, to adjust at the vendor level. Hmm. So back to best practices. We, you, so you mentioned um, checking your data is in good order, giving a, a very complex example, and uh, you know consolidating from multiple systems. What about um, saving data locally? Is there any recommendations you have around that? Yeah. So so your your legacy systems. I mean, there's still a ton of a ton of firms using Portfolio Center as an example. Um, that's a local install. Uh, there's some other legacy systems out there. Everything's cloud-based now. So uh, there's really two bit best practices. Uh, one on the front end, any potential engagement, ask about what, what does your offboarding file look like? You know, we've all got multi-year contracts at this point. You know, I want to leave in three years. What do you provide me on the back end? I'd, I'd ask that question. I'd get the answer in writing. Uh, make make sure that you have everything buttoned up there, and you understand the implications. You know, you usually when you're shopping, you're shopping two or three different providers. Ask them all the same question, uh, get the answer, see who will explain it to you in detail, uh, because we're we all have the same challenge uh, when migrating. You know, a vendor A produces an offboarding file, the new vendor, vendor B they have to figure out how to work with it. Vendor A is not gonna help them. Uh, so standard offboarding file, it needs to be translated into the new system. Uh, you need to be able to get the full history 
and you need to have a smooth process. Uh, so understanding what, what that looks like on the back end is important. Um, secondly, and maybe even more important, in the instance that, that vendor B cannot work with vendor A's data or will not work with vendor A's data, most firms do have the ability to directly download their source data. Source data is going to be your custodial files. Uh, so it's like buying an insurance policy on, uh, on your performance history almost. Save your files. Every vendor is working with the same source data. So worst case, you won't work with, with this offboarding file. There's a limitation on the offboarding file, whatever it may be. We can always go back and reload the custodial files so long as you save them. Now, you have to do that yourself. You, you cannot rely on the custodians. They all have different timeframes, different policies around data retention. So I would just say set up an automated process, save the files locally. You don't need to do anything with them, but uh, in the event you need them, you have them. It's also really important that there are no gaps in that data. So the process needs to be daily and you need to have an appropriate check in place, however frequently, to ensure that there's no disruptions. You can usually go back at least a few weeks or a few months to, uh, to grab historical data, but you could be cut off at some point. So it's just important to make sure you don't have any gaps in the data or else you have a, uh, an issue. So firms should talk to their IT staff about creating a script, some sort of simple automated process to pull the custodial files. Yeah, and pay them off. Potentially, the IT staff needs to be involved. Um, you know, the, depending on the custodian, it could be just a few clicks to uh, to set up the automated daily download mm -hmm. process and, and just uh, map it to a particular folder. It doesn't have to be overly complex. And they and nowadays with even our cloud storage is so cheap, everyone with with a OneDrive and Dropbox, <clears throat> I know OneDrive gives out a terabyte free for every user. So that's yeah. more than enough space. They do. These are not uh, not huge file sets, and storage is free or cheap. Mm -hmm. And uh, just from a best practices perspective, it's it's something that uh, I recommend all the time. Excellent. And as you mentioned, you don't want to wait because each custodian has different uh, time frames that they allow you to go back. Whereas Correct. might be two years, and Fidelity might only be ninety days. So if you forget and you're past ninety days, you're not going to be able to get those files. Correct. Correct. So it's, it's always a good idea. I don't, I don't know that any uh, approach is right or wrong on the custodial end, but uh, the, the uh, firms should take responsibility for their own data there. Uh, hmm. Direct business is another one. DST. Uh, I'd say uh, most firms have, have uh, DST in place. And uh, for, for that data, uh, they don't have any history that they save. You start it up and connect the uh, sources into DST and you, you need to start saving that. Hmm. So save your DST files as well. Any source data that you wanna get into a system potentially in the future, make sure that you have the, uh, the source data. So uh, with, with uh, Advizon and all our contemporaries, we're all doing the data management for our users. Uh, we certainly are saving it. We provide an offboarding file, but users should always take that into their own hands because at the end of the day, it's, it's their performance history that they've worked hard to achieve. So uh, one of the best practices you mentioned was sending your most complicated, complex client. And you said, don't take shortcuts. Can you give me an example of a shortcut you've seen someone take that caused them problems? Um, 
I, I would say if you automate too much uh, for onboarding or put it in the user's hand. I mean, uh, you, you, on the surface, a CRM migration uh, seems like a pretty straightforward thing. You, last name is last name. Having done uh, our migration of our, our sales and marketing database myself, uh, I, I know that there's a lot more involved there. There's customizations. So uh, leave yourself enough time uh, to, uh, to get that done. Uh, I don't think these things can be fully automated. Uh, so that, that's why our, our team on the front end of these, we, we ask, you know, get, give us something that you think is going to cause an issue. Let us look into it and address it appropriately on the front end, rather than try to pass off the project as delivered and then spend time going back and forth when you're expecting to be using the system. So the automation is a, a double-edged sword. That's for sure. Yeah, we've seen that as well. I'd like to take a break from this episode to talk about one of our sponsors, the Invest in Others Foundation. The Invest in Others Foundation is a charitable foundation that helps charities which are supported by financial advisors. So if you know a financial advisor that supports a charity, either in the U.S. or abroad, you can submit his or her name to the Invest in Others Foundation to one of their programs, and they can be awarded uh, money for their charity. The Invest in Others Foundation is running one of their programs right now called Grants for Good. The application deadline is next week, January 24th. So please submit your financial advisor, as you know for this grant. I think they're awarding up to $100,000 in grants to a number of charities. So any person who works in the financial services ecosystem is eligible to apply on behalf of a nonprofit. Uh, applications must be uh, active, currently volunteering with the nonprofit, and you just fill out the form online and you get a chance to uh, get some money for these nonprofits. I've been uh, honored to be a judge in some of these uh, programs, and it's really tough. We have to look at 10 uh, different charities and decide and, and their advisors who help them and decide which ones to get the money. It's really hard. So the more money that you donate to invest in others, the more of these grants we can give. It makes it easier for us to pick because we'll have more money to, to spread around. So please go to the Invest in Others Foundation, investinothers.org on the web. You can learn more about them. Thanks. Another best practice you had mentioned earlier was Contract terms, know your contract terms. Why is that important? A few things. Uh, one is uh, you, you could see an auto renewal of a contract. Uh, we, we don't do that in, in most cases. I just personally, I think a heads up is appropriate on a contract renewal. If you're going to hold someone to a contract, give them a heads up if, if they do want to make a change. Uh, not everyone shares my opinion on that, so... Uh, I think if, if uh, firms know my contract is up in July of 2022 and there is some, some uh, reason to shop around, even if it's just staying current with uh, the different technology offerings out there, we're all evolving quickly, which is great for the industry. But I, th I think there's potential that uh, there's some really cool stuff going on that uh, just doesn't get looked at. So if you know your contract terms, you can say, you know, I, I'm every year, I'm going to take a look six months out from my contract renewal, 12 months out from my contract renewal. That way, if I do want to make a change, I have time to evaluate. A uh, vendor has time to do their migration process. Those could vary on how long they take. So you leave some time there. 
And then you have a really smooth process, comfortable, no fire drill in getting the new system implemented. So all starts with knowing the contract. Uh, what, you asked about horror stories earlier. You know, my, my contract is up in four, uh, four uh, months and I have to give a 90 day notice to my current vendor. If that need is, is urgent and, and um, not an option, you, you do end up working on compressed timeframe and have a bit of a fire drill to get things implemented. So it's pretty easily avoidable if you know your contract terms. You don't want to do that. Trust me, we've seen enough conversions of firms we, of all we, different sizes. We've been, yeah, we've been through it. And, you know, you, you do what you can to accommodate, but sometimes you just can't in a you know, one month time frame get everybody's uh, data moved over. We, what we found is even with the largest broker dealers, they underestimate the complexity and the amount of time it takes for conversion. It always costs more than they think. And it always takes longer than they think. And they always cut it too close. So even if they do, well, we have six months till our contract's up, even that is, you know, like, you know, you had mentioned the um, the size of the firm is very important. Maybe for a firm that's under a billion in, a, in AUM, six yeah. months or less could be doable. But over a billion, you're talking nine to 12, or you know, if you're five billion or more, uh, it's even longer because of yeah. the complexities the different types of data you have, you might have more custodial files, you might have more advisors and more staff that need to be trained. So it's it's never going to be as easy as they think. Absolutely. The training piece is important to take into account too. You know, that's that's something that we we do well with, but ultimately you have to have the buy-in, the engagement from, from your client on that to bring the advisors in to ensure that they do get trained appropriately before the incumbent system's cut off. And the problem we see is that You'll get a contract and no one charges list price if, when, you, when you get a contract. So they may have a list price of X dollars and your, your contract says X minus 20%, X minus 50%. Well, once that contract's up, you revert to the list price. So if you don't get it done in time and you go over that, that the end of the contract, you are now in a, in a bonus period for the, for the vendor. So they're not charging you full rack rate and you're paying the other vendor, you're paying two vendors now. So that's that, that, that depends on the vendor. I, I don't believe in that sort of thing. So we, we don't have that. Uh, that you guys are nice. Well, you play it. nice in the sandbox. Yes, you're going to get burned a time or two. But in, in the long run, it's it's going to work out to your benefit. You're going to have happy clients. I, um, I don't believe in these types of negotiations where one person wins and the other loses. So that, that sort of stuff doesn't need to be there. Glad to hear that. Um, but again, with you, just a warning to any firms, large firms, large and small, don't wait till the end to uh, don't, don't time it where you're going to cut over the last day of the contract. It's, it's yeah, the, the more time you give yourself, the more relaxed the whole process is at mm -hmm. the end of the day. Give yourself some slippage. Cool. So let's talk more about. Um, so we so we did best practices. Uh, we got a couple of good, really great, some really great advice there. Let's talk about, um, so what about firms now? Wealth management firms now uh, that we've all got client data, we've all got data we have to manage. What are some things that you would ask a firm to like in, during your discovery process that you would ask to understand, are they really managing their data well? Yeah, really three things. Um, you know, our, our sales team, I think we average 13, 14 years of experience. So some of this can just kind of be, you know, a, uh, based on experience, some of the things that we hear uh, in, in the evaluation phase. Uh, once we move it into our um, client onboarding team, uh, 
they have also been doing this for a long time. So um, they ask more direct questions, of course. So it is going to be a very straightforward. Have you been diligently reconciling your custodial data into your reporting system? Yes or no? Um, secondly, CRM, like I said earlier, they, they usually are going to have a good idea if they have some sort of outstanding cleanup project that maybe they've put off. Uh, and and the, the, the bigger thing when we look at these migrations that we'll ask is, uh, have you migrated systems previously? Who handled it? How did they handle it? Uh, we have a good idea on, on others' processes if it uh, kind of uh, aligns with how we see things. So we can try to get out in front of any potential issues that we, we would see upon delivery, just knowing, did you migrate? Who handled it? Did you do it yourself? Uh, did you have a consultant working on it? Um, was it? Was it staff? Are they still on board? Did the vendor do most of it? Uh, and then, you know, none of these projects are perfect is an important thing to remember. So while they can be very smooth, if you give yourself enough time and, and really know what you're getting into, uh, you know, a good question to ask is you've migrated, okay, what, what problems are surfaced? And that'll help us dig in on the front end of this. Again, uh, these, these kind of kickoff calls on these projects go a long way to making sure that the experience is a good one for a new client. Why do you ask that question? Have you migrated a system in the past? Why is that important? Different vendors handle things differently. Uh, we've, we've seen some uh, the automations I talked about earlier. Those have been in play. Uh, some, some systems going from vendor A to vendor B. It uh, was a brand new project for vendor B. And uh, maybe they handle it better now, but five years ago it was brand new to them. So we have a pretty good sense of, of where things stood at uh, any given point in time. So some of those questions can help us just, um, you know, maybe we need to pull a different report to um, validate the data as an example than uh, we might on a standard migration. So uh, we, we get into a lot of specific situations there. Just again, we wanna provide a smooth experience and ensure that the, uh, the data is clean on the other side. So when you asked them about migrating systems, you said, did you do it yourself or was it a consultant? Why, why does that matter whether they did it themselves or they outsourced it? Yeah, it's a great question. So um, a, a consultant, typically, you're, you know, you're, you're a consultant, you get paid for this sort of thing. I don't know if don't you're doing data migrations don't, or not. Don't badmouth consultants, man. No, I'm, I'm, I'm promoting consultants is what I'm doing. Read the room. Uh, it's uh, it, it's not a bad thing to have someone with the data expertise working on your behalf. Advisors are doing relationship management, portfolio management. Many of them are, are managing their business, uh, managing staff. So the ins and outs of data, if you can involve an expert, huge plus. So uh, big plug for consultants working on this stuff uh, to ensure a good process. If they did it themselves, it's not necessarily a bad thing because that's, you know, um, consultants not going to know their client base as well as they do. So those duplicates, the, the example with, with my family, advisor's going to know that off the top of their head, you're going to need to ask. So uh, pluses and minuses to it. I think um, you know, we, we do get a good sense of those that are really tech savvy and those that aren't, and that's okay. We're here to help. But uh, people that are really tech savvy, it um, is probably going to be a smoother migration process if they handled everything on their own. 
that all makes sense. Working with many other vendors as you guys do, do you have any advice for other vendors that would help reduce complexity, increase the consistency of data and lower the overall cost of managing client data? Yeah, really, really three things I would point to there. Um, one is go above and beyond where you can do it on the front end. It's going to serve you well in the long run. Uh, the, the worst thing you can have is uh, people questioning their data after it's been migrated. They no longer have access to the system or they, have, they, they don't have confidence. So they have to keep extending their incumbent provider. Not, not everybody's super flexible about that. So um, we'll go above and beyond on the front end, uh, asking those questions, ensuring the, um, the right fit ensuring that it's going to be a smooth process to the extent we can, because the it the front really end makes... of the implementation process, not the front end of your system. Correct. The impl- well, it starts with evaluation, not just implementation. So mm-hmm. asking good questions during the sales process is, is a starting point. Uh, we, we don't have to take any and all comers if they're not the right fit. So we want to ensure it's going to be a great experience. Uh, the implementation process, the onboarding process, we're going above and beyond there to ensure that data integrity. Uh, you don't want to lose the confidence of a firm on the front end because then uh, you get a lot of questions down the road. You could see the client just decide, I'm going to extend my incumbent until I'm comfortable here. So definitely want to take the extra time to ensure that everyone is comfortable on the front end. Uh, data manipulation I talked about earlier. Uh, you want to have some guardrails there. You have to be flexible. But the, the guardrails on um, you know, security types being appropriate uh, for the transaction types, have those two tightly tied together is an example of, of being able to limit it. Everybody has manual accounts that they need to enter and manage, but uh, being able to say, okay, you know, a, a stock uh, holding has a very different set of transactions than uh, private equity limited partnership. Uh, accounting. So need to be able to do both and and keep them siloed. Uh, And then automation, I mentioned it's a double-edged sword. Uh, Automate where possible, but uh, have the error checking, the monitoring flags that pop up to try to surface potential issues that you manually look into. John, you have answered all of my questions in stellar fashion. I really appreciate it. Where can people find more information about Advizon? Anyone that's curious about Advizon, uh, our website, we've got a ton of information there. Uh, there is a, a, cl- a link to click to request a demo that's going to connect you with the appropriate salesperson. We strongly prefer to do all of these evaluations one-on-one. So if you're curious, the website's a good starting point. Uh, the Michael Kitsis uh, tech study that was released a week or two ago, we scored very well in those categories of CRM and reporting. So uh, definitely getting a little bit of recognition there. But once you've done a little bit of homework, best way to connect with us is just through the website, do the demo. Even if you've only got half an hour to get introduced to advise on, it's a good starting point. And you'll make the decision if you want to proceed further. Fantastic. John, thanks so much for being on the program, man. You got it, Craig. Happy to do it. Thanks for having me. Hey, it's Craig again. Here are my top three takeaways from this episode. Number one, 
send us your most complex clients. Now, when working with any data sets, but especially client data during the conversion, always look for the edge cases. In software testing, edge cases are those data sets or scenarios that are uncommon or unlikely to occur very often, but if they do, they could result in severe or critical bugs. So you wanna try and find these cases and ensure that these bugs don't occur. Number two, save your custodial files. It's part of the belt and suspenders approach, of course. All of your firm's data is now in the cloud, so it's already backed up. But by saving your custodial files locally or in your own separate cloud storage, you're providing another data source and a backup in case of a disaster or other crises. Remember, there can't be any gaps in the custodial files, so have your IT staff create an automated process to save them daily. Number three, know your contract terms. Now this isn't really a data related uh, tip, but I thought it was some excellent advice that I wish more of our clients would consider. And that's a wrap for this episode. Please go to our website, ezragroupllc.com, scroll to the bottom of the page and sign up for our newsletter. Once a month, you'll receive an email chock full of wealth management tidbits and goodies, all kinds of news, information, analysis, updates, and links, and you will not be disappointed. Thanks for listening. Talk to you all again next time.